to jump into back to the blueprint now. And the idea behind this series is, is that we are called to be the church, to be the body of Christ. That's, we're going to talk about being the body of Christ, being a f- the family of God today. And, and the question that we're asking in this series is what does it look like for us to be faithful, for us to be who God created and called us to be as the church? So last week we started, we're looking at Acts chapter 2, we're looking at the, the beginning, rewinding it all the way back to the beginning of the church and looking at, at the characteristics and the things that God had designed for the church. And so last week we talked about um, discipleship. Acts chapter 2 comes um, right there, at verse 42 comes on the heels of Pentecost, this amazing outpouring of the Holy Spirit where the Spirit of God showed up and poured out on the people and out of that moment the church was born. And we talked last week about in verse 42, it says that the disciples and the people of God were devoted to the teaching of God's Word. They were devoted, they were focused on serving God and being faithful to God. And so last week we talked about discipleship, but today we're going we're gonna to continue on and we're going to talk about fellowship. Now fellowship is, is another kind of word that you don't hear a lot outside of the church, but I want you to walk out of here today with an understanding of what fellowship is and Christian fellowship and why it's so important for us as the church, as the people of God, to fellowship together. So let's look at Acts chapter 2 again, verse 42. It says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved." So, so this picture in Acts chapter 2 that we just read, this is the beginning of the church, and, and not that, that this church was perfect, but at this time we get a glimpse of a little bit of what the church is supposed to look like. And so last week we talked about that being devoted, being, being completely focused on knowing God and growing in our faith, discipleship. But it's, it wasn't just that they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. It says they were devoted to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And so we get this picture in the Acts chapter 2 in the first church. We get this picture of a people that are 100% committed to God, committed to living for God. But we also get this picture of people who are 100% committed to living and loving each other. I want you to understand today that I think what we're talking about today is really important for us in today's culture. Because I think fellowship, especially Christian fellowship, is something that as our lives have gotten busier, we've maybe neglected a little bit. 
And, and so it wasn't, I want us to see that it wasn't just about God pouring out his spirit and then the people saying, well, we're going to commit ourselves to learn more. To, it, it says they committed themselves to the apostles' teaching. And sometimes it can be, it can be a habit of ours or a thought of ours that, that, that we come to church to learn. And, and sometimes people treat church almost like school, where, hey, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to hear a sermon, I'm going to maybe learn, and maybe I'm in a small group or, or a connection class, and I'm going to read Scripture, and I'm going to learn more. <clears throat> but I don't want us to miss that it wasn't just about learning. See, the church is more than just a place of learning. The church is meant to be the body of Christ, the family, the body, the family of God. The church was never intended just to be a place that you came and learned more about God and read the Bible. The church is a living body, a living family that glorifies God together. And so that's where this fellowship comes in. We are called not just to learn more. We've been talking a lot about, um, about our, our vision, and our vision has three pillars. Upward, upward that every person in our church will grow in their faith, will become more like Jesus. Outward that we will go out and serve our community and reach people for Christ. And forward that we will invest in the future of our church and raise up leaders. This year, our big focus has been upward, that everybody would grow. Sometimes we as Christians, especially in today's world, think of growing in our faith as a mental, as a learning exercise. But I want you to understand today that it's more than just reading your Bible and learning more about your Bible. Growing in our faith happens when we worship, when we fellowship, when we serve together. We learn, we learn more about who God is. If you think about the attributes of God, if we, if we would talk about who Jesus is and we said, what, who is Jesus, what words would you throw out? Go ahead, throw out some words. What, what would you say when we, when we talk about God, when we talk about Jesus? Throw out some words. Yell them loud so I can hear them. Loving, yes. I'm sorry, I didn't hear those. Savior, forgiver, Healer, okay, we're, we're getting these words. Loving, um, another one I would, I would say is grace. I would say forgiving. I would say Savior, all of these things. Think about the words that we're using to describe God, the words that we're using to describe Jesus. They're not just attributes, they're relational. Love is something that you can't learn by just reading in a book. You have to learn by walking through it with somebody else. Grace is something that, that can't be learned in a book. It has to be experienced. And so if we are gonna grow in our faith, we have to grow as the body of Christ. Listen, I, I said a second ago, I, I think this is a challenge in today's culture. I think a lot of people in today's culture are tempted to just come to church and then leave and go home, and that's the extent of their Christianity. 
There are a lot of people that want to come to church and they want to sneak in and sneak out and never really engage with the body of Christ. And you'll hear people say things like, I don't need the church to be a Christian, but to be a follower of Christ, you have to be a part of the body of Christ, a part of God's family. This doesn't work in isolation. And so we have to fellowship together. We have to know one another. We have to practice God's love and God's grace and God's mercy and all of those attributes of God to learn them. We don't just study. We live it out. We relate with each other. Just a quick side note. Last week, we talked about the I'm ready button on the website. Listen, if you're someone here today that would say, I need to get more connected to the body of Christ, simple way to do that, go to wcn.church, and up in the top right-hand corner, there's a button that says, I'm ready. And if you click that button, there are a bunch of different ways for you to dive into the community, to the body of Christ. It's more than just learning. It's more than just showing up. It's more than just singing. We are God's people being formed in his image, growing as a body. And so I want to encourage you that that this is not something we do as individuals, but if we are going to truly be followers of Christ, we do this in the context of community, the body of Christ. We need each other. I want us to see this in Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 to 25 has some some great, great gospel truth in it. And then it has some commands. And and I want us to see um, what the writer of Hebrews was getting at here. So Hebrews chapter 10, verse 19 says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. This is the good news of the gospel. Let me talk us through this really quick and then we'll, we'll get back to the, the fellowship piece. Brothers and sisters, we have confidence to enter the most holy place. This is good news today. How many of you have ever walked into church, be honest, have you ever walked into church and thought, I don't belong here. I'm not good enough to be here. Maybe there was a week where you had a a fight with a family member. Maybe there was a week where, where you just struggled at work. Maybe there was a week where your attitude's just in the wrong place. And and I'll tell you, I've been here before where I walk into church and I feel like I'm completely unworthy to be here. Since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, listen, the gospel is this, we are not worthy on our own to be in this place, to be in the presence of God, but because of the grace of Jesus Christ, who gave everything for us, who came as a man, who died on a cross to pay the price for our sins, we are made worthy. 
You never have to walk into this place feeling like you don't have a right to be in the presence of God. Through Jesus Christ, every single one of us is made worthy. Our sins, those things that we, we mess up on that, that give us guilt, those are paid for and we can have confidence to enter the most holy place. God loves us. God has made us worthy. And so this is the good news. I mean, that's great. Uh, let's take the Pentecost experience where the Spirit is poured out. I mean, this is that level stuff. We have been made worthy. It goes on. It says, let us draw near to God with sincere hearts. Let us draw near. So because God is so good, because God is so graceful, because God loves us and has made a way for us to be worthy to enter this place, let us draw near. This is what we talked about last week. Be devoted. Continue to grow. Continue to draw near to God. And so there's the good news of it. And, and we could just say amen and go home and everyone would feel good, right? And you would not have any more problems because God is good and good things have happened, right? It goes on. And, and there's a reason it goes on. It says in verse 23, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess. For he who promised is faithful. If it were just about that moment of Pentecost, if it were just about that moment, and it's, it's all about the grace of God, but, but it goes on and says, hold on to that. Hold on to it unswervingly. Why does it say that? Because the truth is, you could come into church today, you could have an incredible experience of the Holy Spirit, you can know that God loves you, you can know that Jesus died for you, you can fully commit yourself, and tomorrow you can walk into work, and there's an enemy that's going to try to steal it from you. I want you to picture like a tug of war, and it says, hold on to that hope. Because the truth is, the enemy wants to take that hope from you. Let me tell you some good news today. The battle is won. God is victorious. And for those that are in Christ, nothing, nothing can defeat them. Not the devil, not pandemics, not hateful people, not anything, not, not dictators, not terrible regimes, nothing can take away the victory that God has, that, that God has over evil. The battle's won. It's over. That's the good news. It says, hold on to that. Why does it say hold on to that? I want you, I want you to understand something. The devil knows that the battle's over. That's that. There's no way that, that that can be overturned. God is over and above everything. God has defeated sin and death. There's nothing that can overturn that. So you know what the devil's strategy is? The devil's strategy is to pull that rope and to get us to lose our hope. It says, hold on unswervingly to the hope that we profess. See, the only way 
that you can lose is if you walk away from the hope you have in Christ. If you decide that the battle is not over, if you decide that it's not okay and you doubt and you walk away. And so just picture the devil's pulling this rope trying to get you away from God because the devil knows that there's no way if you are in Christ, you can't lose. Hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promises faithful. Now look at verse 24. This is where we, we get into some really serious fellowship stuff here. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and toward good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging each other and all the more as you see the day approaching. Um, Megan and I this weekend had the opportunity to go back to South Carolina where we lived for four years before we moved here. And we went back for a funeral, a, a close friend of our family and, and a co-worker of mine um, at the church I came from. And, and um, it, it was such a blessing to get to go be a part of that. And, and it was one of those things where I had already written my sermon. Um, but last night, I, you know, yesterday at the funeral, I'm sitting there. And, and last night, all the way home, God is speaking to me. Because, see, I was a youth pastor for four years at that church. And I had a bunch of teens that were under my ministry. And, and listen, they knew that God loved them. They knew that the battle was won. They had hope in that. But at some point, the devil pulled that rope and got them away from the hope they had in Christ and here I am at the funeral of someone that we all love, somebody that was a, a great woman of God. Here I am at this funeral, and I'm looking around, and I'm, I'm seeing a handful of my former teens. And I see a bunch of teens that knew that God loved them, that had professed their faith in God, that had hope in God, but all of a sudden, something over the last 13 years has tugged them away and they no longer live in that hope. And some of them no longer live in that victory. And I'm sitting there thinking, I love these guys. I, I spent as much time as I could with them. I poured into them and I'm seeing these teenagers um, from 13 years ago that were in my youth group and I'm thinking, I want nothing more and for them to know Jesus and walk with Jesus. And so the whole way home last night, I was just praying, God, give me opportunities. I live 10 hours away, but give me opportunities to help them come closer to you. I, I've got a vacation plan the end of this month. I, Megan's still going to be teaching. The boys are out of school. And so, so I decided, hey, instead of sitting at home every day, we're just going to go somewhere. So I'm going to take the four boys. We're going to throw them in the car and we're going to go somewhere. And, and I hadn't really decided where we were going to go. I had all these crazy ideas like driving all across the country. And, and here I am in South Carolina and Megan and I are sitting on the beach. And, and I thought, you know what? This is where I'm going to bring them. I thought, you know, I know this area. 
There's the beach. There's the River Dogs baseball. There's Fort Sumter. There's all this cool stuff here. We could really have a good time here. So I all of a sudden made this plan that at the end of this month, I'm going to take my four boys and we're going to go down to South Carolina and hang out and have a good time. And then I go sit at this funeral and I see all my former teens. And all of a sudden, what was a vacation to just have a good time with my boys? Listen, we're gonna have a good time. I love my kids, it's gonna be a vacation. All of a sudden, it has a new purpose. And that's that I'm gonna consider every way I can to spur my former teens and my former friends to grow in their relationship with Christ. I love my kids, I promise you, I'm not gonna cheat my kids on that. But I wanna make sure that that week is a week that counts. And if I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna invest everything I can into my kids and into these, these teens that I had the privilege and the opportunity to pour into. I want more than anything for them to know Christ. See, the only thing that can defeat us is if the devil can pull us away. And, and the way that the devil does that, one of the greatest weapons of the enemy is the weapon of isolation. Some of you know this really well, because for the last year or so, we've been, we've been dealing with isolation, haven't we? The best trick that the devil has to get us away from the hope of Christ is to pull us away from other people and from God and from other people that are gonna help us hold on, stay connected to that hope. One of the greatest weapons is isolation. You are not meant to live out your faith on your own. And if the devil can succeed in pulling you away from other people that are followers of Christ and pull you away from God's love, you are going to be weak and vulnerable. But one of our greatest weapons against the enemy is each other, is the love that we have for one another and the fellowship we have together. It says, it goes on and it says, even more so, hold on to that hope, can, consider how you can spur each other on, help each other, encourage each other, and all the more as we see the day approaching. Listen, yesterday I sat in a, in a sanctuary and I was reminded, as I often am, that the day is approaching. And here I am sitting and I can see my former teens and, and I want more than anything for them to know Jesus and I'm reminded by this moment that, that this doesn't last forever and that there will come a day that we all stand in judgment before God. And so it says, consider how you can encourage each other and lift each other up all the more as the day approaches. See, the more the day approaches, the more the enemy's going to pull us away, the more we need each other. We need to be together. But it's not just about being together. See, it says, consider how we may spur one another toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, but encouraging each other. See, it's not just about, this is not, don't hear me wrong today. I'm not saying, church, you need to hang out more. Just hang out more. That's not what this is. 
Christian fellowship is the people of God investing in each other, intentionally encouraging and lifting each other up and pushing each other more close to Jesus. So at the end of this month, I'm just not going to go hang out with my old deans and buddy up. I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to encourage them. We are meant to walk this journey together. And isolation is the trick of the devil to get us away from the hope, from the fact that the battle's already won. We need each other. We need fellowship. And so the purpose of fellowship is encouragement. The purpose of fellowship is devotion. The purpose of fellowship is growing in love for Christ. I got a small group on Wednesday nights. I love my small group. And I've been in a lot of small groups over the years, and, and way too many times my small groups have been about just knowing each other more, just hanging out, maybe even making each other better men. We've been very clear since day one with this small group that it's not just about hanging out, it's not just about talking sports, that we are there to encourage each other and help each other grow to become more like Christ. That's what Christian fellowship is, and we need it so badly. Because here we are holding on to this hope. And the enemy wants, with everything that the enemy has, to pull us away from it, and we, as the people of God, don't just need to know more, We need to love more. We need to encourage more. We need to help each other grow in our faith. And so the purpose of fellowship is Christ-likeness. And what's the result of fellowship? We see it in Acts chapter 2. Let me find it. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold all their property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they met together. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. When the people of God gather together intentionally to help each other grow closer to God, the result is unity. The result is growth. The result is the favor of the people. Listen, if you want joy, you find joy in Christ. One of God's greatest gifts, though, is he gives us other people to walk this journey with. And so I want to encourage you that Christ-like fellowship will result in unity and love, and it's who we are meant to be. So, So let's talk about this. Let's transition here. I think we can all agree that we are better together than we are on our own. I hope you can agree with that. I think we all know that we need each other, right? If the last year's taught us anything, it's that we need each other. What's keeping us from this? I want you to really ask this question to yourself internally. What's keeping you from Christian fellowship, from investing intentionally in other people to help them know Jesus more. Because I think we're pretty good at the superficial, hey, how's it going? Good. Okay, how are you? Good. And we walk by each other and we're done. What's keeping us? What's keeping you from really investing in others? I've got a few thoughts. Number one, it's busyness. 
We have so many things crammed into our lives, don't we? We have so many things that we have to get to. There's hobbies, there's work, everything is demanding our time, and busyness keeps the body of Christ from loving and encouraging each other. This week, we had the opportunity to go encourage and love members of the body of Christ. And it wasn't easy. It's a 10-hour drive. We had to drive 10 hours. The funeral was at 1 o'clock yesterday. It ended at 3. We fellowshipped and hung out at 4.30. We got in the car and we drove home and we pulled into the house at 3 a.m. last night. And I don't say any of that to brag, but I want to tell you this. I wouldn't change that for anything. That time, that fellowship was well worth me taking the time and clearing some schedule. You will never regret spending time with the people you love. You will never regret investing in other people's faith. You will never regret Christian fellowship, encouraging each other. You will never get to the point that you say, I could have used that time better. Have you ever had, I mean, have you ever had that where you're with people you love, then you go home and you say, eh, I could have, could have probably gotten more laundry done. Eh, you know, could have watched that basketball game. You will never regret making room in your busyness to love and invest in others. Maybe it's busyness, maybe it's pride, maybe it's this idea that I don't want to be vulnerable. I know I'm not perfect, you know I'm not perfect, but if I can keep you at arm's length, maybe you'll think I'm perfect. I think one of the reasons that we don't invest deeper in each other's lives is because we don't want to be vulnerable. We don't want each other to know our we don't want each other to know that our house is a mess before you show up 10 minutes before and then all of a sudden we threw everything in a closet and it looks okay. Maybe. And so we keep each other at arm's length. Maybe pride is there, but what we don't understand is that vulnerability that we're afraid of is actually the result of us keeping each other at arm's length. We're not vulnerable to other people knowing our difficulties. We're vulnerable to more difficulties. Don't let pride keep you from growing in the body of Christ. The third one might be selfishness. Maybe there are just things you value more than the people around you. Maybe you care more about your career. Maybe you care more about money. Maybe, maybe it's selfishness. And my dad always says something. Um, pastor Bob, that used to be the pastor here, and I, I've heard this a thousand times, and some of you have heard it a lot too. He says, the riches of life are not found in possessions, they're not found in position, and they're not found in power. The riches of life are found in the people that God places in your path and your relationship with Jesus Christ. We have this wonderful gift of the love of God, the goodness of God, the grace of God that makes us whole, that has won the battle, that has taken care of it all. The only thing that's going to keep us from it is if we lose hope. The only way we're going to lose hope is if we get separated from God, from the body of Christ. Listen, I want you guys to grow in your faith. 
I want you to know the, the Bible more. I want you to grow in your knowledge of God, but that alone will not help you become who God created you to be. That has to be coupled with the body of Christ, loving each other, fellowshipping together to become the holy people of God. So I want to encourage you to take some steps. Don't let busyness, don't let pride, don't let selfishness keep you from what God has for you. So today, uh, the, the worship team's gonna come up and we're gonna do things different today. I'm about to just tell you to go. I'm gonna pray for you and then I'm gonna tell you to go. And we were supposed to be a little bit earlier than we are, but I've, I've spoken a little bit long, so I'm sorry about that. But this is what I want you to do. I want you, when I finish my prayer, they're going to play a song, but I don't want you to stand up and sing along with the song. That's not what we're doing here. I want you to reach into the seat in front of you. Everyone look in the seat in front of you and grab one of those cards. There should be a card in front of you. If, if there's not one directly in front, look around. There's plenty of them. When you get it, hold it up so I know that you're listening and not asleep. All right, that card says, you are invited. This message has a very simple, practical response. We want you to fellowship with the body of Christ. So I want each and every one of you to take that card. That's not some party that we're throwing. That card is a way for you to invite somebody else to get together and grow in your relationship. It could be lunch, could be coffee, could be coming over to watch a ball game. I don't care what it is. This is what I do care about. I want you to be intentional that when you gather together with whoever it is you invite to whatever it is, I want you to be intentional that you will help them spur them on towards love and good deeds. Think about, before you get together, how can I help them grow to become more like Jesus? The second thing, I want you to encourage them. I want you, when you get together, and you eat together, or whatever you do, I want you both to walk away knowing that God is good and that we are the body of Christ. So I'm gonna pray for us, and then I want you to get up, and I want you to practice fellowship. I want you to find someone. Listen, if there's someone here that, that you would say, I need to get together with them and, and just encourage them, take that card, put their name on it, find them, and invite them to something. I want you to stick around for just a few minutes and fellowship. I want us to grow, not just in knowledge, but to grow as the body of Christ. Father, we love you today. I thank you for who you are. I thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. I thank you that the battle's won. But I'm also aware, Lord, today that there may be some that are struggling with isolation, that there may be some that have been pulled, that rope has been pulled and, and their hope has been waning, even though we know who you are and we know what you've done. Maybe we're struggling a little bit. Lord, I pray that you would call each and every one of us to take the time to love each other, to encourage each other, to make each other more like you. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for your goodness, and I pray that your body, the body of Christ, this church, that we as the church would continue to draw each other closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.